welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who are notoriously slow starters. What's up, Chuck and Gene? <laughs> um, I am a notoriously slow starter. Uh, I'm not a strong finisher either, but that middle is the sweet spot for me. Um, I really just just get in there and put in a good two weeks and then coast. Um, I don't even know where the hell I'm going with this. This is Chuck Siders. You can find me at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And uh, I try to live by uh, an axiom that I learned long ago in this uh, in the, the the classic film Teen Wolf. Uh, I don't know if you remember the coach's advice. Basically, he he gave the advice that uh, you should uh, never play poker with anybody named after a city. Uh, you should never trust a woman with a knife tattoo. And don't do anything, absolutely anything, before 11 a.m. Oh, right that on. is good advice. I, I I remember the don't play poker with anyone like with a, named after a city. Yeah, I don't know if that's outside of teen wolf but i did not remember the others yeah don't sit across the table from altoona fred <laughs> isn't there something about people with uh two first names like if your first name and your last name are both first names yeah you probably shouldn't trust them either i, I don't i don't remember that part of the story <laughs> i have to go back and watch teen wolf now thanks wow anyway no slow starts here uh <laughs> <laughs> i beg to differ but go on <laughs> so how is everyone's uh football opening day was just planted uh, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Solid football watching, total red zone. God, I wish. Um, <laughs> th- those days, I think, are behind me, or or maybe someday in the, the not-too-distant future, but they certainly aren't now. Um, but I'd take my kids to a bar um, to go watch yeah. about the first quarter of the Eagles game. Uh, it was a good time. Um wasn't as rambunctious as a crowd. I was hoping was really going to be fired up, but they seemed to have a, a slow start as well. Hmm. But um, no, and then came back home, watched the rest of the game, and it was a, a really nice start to this football season for obvious reasons. Gene, how about you? I uh, I think the hardest decision that I made today was which shirt to wear to watch the game. Um, oh, that's nice. So that's nice. Uh, <laughs> I decided on my Wentz jersey um, to show some. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this for a second because we, as I was watching the game at home, my wife turned to me and she said, you're not wearing an Eagles shirt. So, but I was like, I'm not, it's okay. I'm not at the game. Like no one's here with me. This is, we're not like at an Eagles party or anything like that. I'm just at home watching the game with my children do, do I need to put on Eagles uh, garb? I have a particular superstition about a like a particular shirt that I wore for the whole run of the uh, the playoff and then the Super Bowl. Uh, so I I try to only wear that when I feel like we need that mojo. Otherwise, I wear my Cunningham jersey. And usually so I'll wear do that. that. So you do that. You get you'll get dressed up for yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's a byproduct of being raised by my father, like who like he had a Mike Quick jersey that he wore for every game, Eagles game. As, as, you know, he wore it two games, he wore it at home, he would wear it to work the days that he would be working when there was a game on. Like that was like when you when you watched a football game, you had to put on your 
your game stuff. Like that's so I think that there's just something in my genetic code that requires me to dress the part. Um, Chuck hockey but, sweater to get ready for a Flyers game. That's a good good question. Um, probably not regular season. Probably okay. not regular season. Playoffs, yes. Okay. Playoffs, one hundred percent, yes. Um, unless I am watching with other people. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're having like a party to watch the game, yeah. I feel like you have to do it because like everyone's gonna do that. Yeah. It, it, yeah, if I'm not going out to watch it at a bar, if I'm not going to the game, if I'm not, you know, watching it with friends, I'm probably not doing it outside of the playoffs. Playoffs, here's a, yes. Here's another thing. So I had to DVR the game today because mm. I was, of course, at youth sports. And I think I would have to say that soccer is the most, like, flips the middle finger to every other sport. <laughs> like, it, baseball they've they've sort of kind of at least acknowledged that we need to work around this a little bit i think soccer is the one youth sport that says like we don't care about any other sport even though they're the ones that probably should be most accommodating yeah to to like know like hey i we realize you probably have other interests we're gonna try to work with your schedules and stuff like that but soccer is kind of just like double double middle fingers double bird (laughs) to like every other sport it makes it really inconvenient to stick with soccer, even though it should be the most convenient sport to play. It's like no no equipment needed. You just really need a field and a ball. It's not a lot of overhead going on with it. Anyway, whatever. So, and that, so DVRing the game, right? Like never the same feel. Never. No, it's all your own. Never. Feel. And I avoided everything. I had my phone off. Wow. Um, so I didn't know a score. I didn't know anything when I turned the game on. Um, now did you watch it straight through or as you got to commercials, did you, did you zip through the time? So Xfinity is great because they now have auto resume. So you'll see when you're, when you start to fast forward, there'll be like these little yellow blocks of what the commercials are and you just like let it fly. And then you just don't have to push play when it comes back on. Yeah, I fast forward through the commercials. Did you find that you ended up caught up or did you, you know, basically be able to watch it commercial free? That's really honestly the only benefit I've ever found to watching a game on the DVR. Now, I had a friend who would DVR every game and start. So a one o'clock kickoff for the rest of the world. His was a one forty five kickoff. He hated commercials that much. He never watched a game live. I can't do it. I can't do it because there's so many things I want to do during the game. Mm-hmm. I want to reach for the phone. I want to text somebody. I want to see what's going on with Twitter. I want to flip over to Red Zone and see what's going on in that game. I just just watch the game commercial free in the vacuum of my own mind without interacting with the rest of the Eagles Nation or or you know whatever fan base I'm, I'm interacting with. I, like I need to to constantly be checking other things while I'm with with the game. So I like the commercial breaks sometimes. Have yeah, you ever it, it, had the experience of having to, to, uh, to watch a game while trying to also work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like every, every Phillies day game. Basically. Well, I, I, I meant specifically an Eagles game. I, I, you know, I, I watch a lot of Phillies games at work too, but there's something different about watching an Eagles game at work because it, I can't pay attention to anything else. Like it, and if I'm not watching it or if I'm DVRing it and trying to avoid things, the act of avoiding everything about the game becomes the only thing I can focus on. <laughs> Football's a bad sport for like trying to DVR it. 
Like I did that uh, a few Sundays many years ago, and it actively hurt my fandom because as you start fast forwarding, you know, between the commercials, you know, your second week of doing it, you start fast forwarding through the injury breaks as well, and through some of the okay, you know the chit chat between the plays. Well, you know what I did? I, I, I modified my skip ahead button um, uh to be the play clock. So I, (laughs) I put it at about 30 seconds. So after each play, you can just boop. And then they're pretty much lined up for the next snap. And by boop, I mean, I press the button. Yeah. Well, the the amazing thing is like, isn't that how, how Chip Kelly used to show game (laughs) film? Like he just would, (laughs) would boop. (laughs) (laughs) But I did that with my TiVo uh, for name dropping our, our DVR uh, allegiances, and they have their 30 second ahead button already pre programmed. Okay, great. Um, and it actively was like, uh, it was in the Michael Vick era, and I was coming home from work on a Sunday, and I was just like, all right, it's, you know, halftime now. If I'm lucky, I can end the game the same time. Like, God, by the end of the third quarter, I was caught up, and I was like, that was eye-opening and it totally like dracula's the life right out of the game it really does you need those those breaks to to let the tension build to get up and get away from the screen to let it's yeah football on fast forward just doesn't work it's particularly frustrating for me lately this is a a recent phenomenon just since the inception of red zone um if I have if the Eagles are playing on a Monday night game or I have a Sunday night game, if they're the primetime game and I'm just watching the one and four o'clock games, um, and for those our West Coast friends, whatever that equates to you, what is that, eleven AM and two PM games or or one PM games in, in on the West Coast. Um the the watching that on red zone, you don't watch any commercials at all and you're constantly being able to bit blop you know, or i don't even know what sound effect automatopoeia <laughs> effect to, you're constantly switching between games bips so th- and blops bips and blobs so <laughs> i mean other than having to listen to the guy like you know constantly chirp about quadruple boxes and, and double boxes you know generally speaking you don't have to watch a single advertisement except like by accident uh and they constantly comment oh they almost tried to sneak a, co- a commercial in on us and we don't do that here um so you know, then you go to and watch a primetime game, which are even worse than your normal Sunday games with the amount of uh, advertising and stoppage that you have to put up with. You suddenly feel like the game is in slow motion, even though you've spent the same amount of time watching it. You're just and I don't know if that's like my ADD kicking in, but it's like I, I, I just can't watch all of this other nonsense, like put on another game or, or something. Do do anything else to entertain me. I, I'm tired of looking at your huddle. All right. Well, as usual, we bury the lead. Yeah. Uh, Eagles, huge victory today. <laughs> I mean, not huge, but Eagles victory today. We kind of all, uh, you know, saw uh, saw a win when we looked at the schedule uh, for today. But it was um, it was no walk in the park, at least in the early going. So is this Russ? No one played in the preseason. Blah, 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 blah. Is that what's going on here? Oh, yeah, I think so. But. Unlike last season, because I, I remember coming on this show going, okay, week one loss, 
Well, no, it was a week one win that we mm-hmm. refused yeah, we to celebrate. Yeah, we beat the Falcons week one, right? Yeah, but we refused to celebrate. It was the most maudlin win I can recall. <laughs> and then week two, was talking about, okay, they never looked like they shook off the rust. And um, I thought it was clearly a story of two halves. Um, towards the end of the first half, the Eagles seemed to get it together somewhat. Second half, it okay, this looked like the team we're all hoping goes on to win the Super Bowl. And even in the first half, I wasn't too concerned. I was expecting the rust. I became a bit concerned when they let up that extra field goal right at the end of the half. I'm like, Ugh, all right, that's a 13-point deficit that we... Which, interesting, interestingly enough, I actually wrote down a note about that uh, while I was watching the game. Did we aid the Redskins in that by calling a timeout when it was third and four. Should we not have called a timeout there? Cause they were out of timeouts. Yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing when that, when that happened. And it's one of the, I guess the idea was that Doug was assuming that we were going to, or they right. needed something to get the, the assumption was we'd, we'd force a punt, a punt. Do you, do you try not to over, you know, are you, are you playing too much 3d chess when you don't call the, call the timeout there where, you know, are you too many moves ahead? I don't know. Well, we went off sides. That changed it from a punt to a, a field goal. Yeah, that so, was also a terrible offsides penalty. You can't take an offside penalty there. Yeah. Um. So but there anyway. there I wasn't – I wasn't worried, but it became concerned. I fully expected them to come back out in the second half and play well. But I was like, oh, maybe – maybe we dug ourselves too big a hole and this be a different conversation that we're having. I, I actually wasn't that concerned. Uh, even when we were down 17, um, I kind of read it as a textbook case of going up too many points too early for the Redskins. Mm. Um, I, it, like for example, when we went up 14, nothing on new Orleans, it's like, great, we're up 14 nothing, but I feel like we did it too fast, and there's way too much time left in this game. And you just <laughs> knew that, you know, the, the Eagles' talent was just going to overtake the Redskins at some point in this game. And, and yeah, they just tore the lid off of that thing um, in the second half, and it was just no doubt about it who the better team on the field was. It wasn't even close. Uh, but no Adrian Peterson. Do we ever get a reason why? This is what I heard, and I don't know if you – want to f- buy this logic or not. Apparently, as early as Monday this week, this is what they said in the broadcast, um, Gruden went to AP and said, listen, uh, we're going to go with Geis. And essentially that meant to, to Peterson that he was going to be a healthy scratch. The The way that I guess their, their roster is set up right now with some of their injury concerns and having to carry extra people or they want to do different packages, essentially they were going to run with three running backs, but all of them were sort of specialized with, with certain things. Geis was going to be the straight-ahead, you know, first down, second down back. Chris Thompson was going to be the third bound back and the, the pass catching back. And they were going to dress Smallwood as uh, as a special teamer. And that's kind of what the guy I heard uh, interviewed on uh, the from the Washington Post, that was kind of similar to what he kind of followed up with uh, in the pregame. So, um the interesting thing is, I don't know if you caught this on the broadcast, apparently also earlier this week they gave Adrian Peterson the MVP for the offense for 2018. So he was named the best player, most valuable player for their offense last year 
and now he was a healthy scratch. So, you know, all that, all that is like the most Redskins thing I've I've ever heard. So, you take your best offensive player, bench him for strategy reasons. Uh, and and it's a player that gashes us. Or, or, I yeah. mean, that's the thing is like you're you're telling me that you would rather dress what would have been our sixth running back was Wendell Smallwood even our fourth running back? I mean, you want to talk about 3d chess. This is 3d chess on like an MC Escher chessboard or something. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> talking about overthinking it. Dear Lord, just hand it off to Adrian Peterson and have him run up the middle. Right. Yeah. Or at least have him standing on the sideline eligible to play go, Hey, you're, you're not going to be our featured back, but like, all right, you'll be our third back. And then when you're sitting around in the third quarter going, you know who could really help us right now? Someone like an Adrian Peterson type. And then you go, hey, wait, we have one of those. Get on in. Well, they probably like, did turn to him and they were like, shit, he's in shorts. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> Here, real quick, put on this Smallwood jersey. All right. Can we talk for a second about Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey? Oh, can we just spend the whole rest of the show talking about them? <laughs> All right. So first off, I have a I have a new nickname for Deshaun Jackson. Okay. Ready for this? The Leprechaun. The Leprechaun? Yeah, because he's always at the end of a rainbow. Ah. Oh. Carson Wentz sixty yard rainbow. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be a pot of co- pot of gold? Like, yeah, but, a, yeah, but that's you, not as catchy. I think pot of gold is. Like more catchy, yo pog. <laughs> <laughs> you've got the goat and you've got the pog. Fucking a. I, all right, fine. Leprechaun, okay. it is. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that, that was like a golden rule of improv. It's like yes and Chuck, not not. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. Leprechauns aren't at the end of the rainbow, asshole. They leave the gold there. I like. I knew that. I was. I, I thought pot of gold. I'm like, oh, it's like always at the end of the rainbow. Like, but then that doesn't make any sense to call someone pot of gold. So it's like, oh, you're the leprechaun, right? All right. <laughs> Yo, for Are real though, best I mean or... best receiving core in the NFL, right? Are you oh, gonna yeah. put them up against the new look Patriots? I mean I I guess, but I, those are two huge weapons right there alone. Alone, like I think I asked in the last show, I just wanted one Deshaun Jackson bomb. Just give me one. That's all. That's all I wanted to say, and we got two huge ones. Uh, Eagles record first time, you know, two uh, touchdowns over fifty-two yards uh, by Deshaun Jackson, and and then what were Alshon's numbers for the day? Well, I mean, not all of them, but I mean, he he looked impressive he was as like, always. I I don't know if he I I don't know if he cracked hundred yards receiving, but. Um... He, he had, had 49 yards, five receptions on 49 yards. But he had a he had a touchdown reception, and then his first mm-hmm. career, I believe it's his first career rushing touchdown. Yeah, that was yeah. still a yeah. the rushing touchdown was just a technicality, right? It's like an it was Andy behind Reed the rush. line. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was the behind. Line. <laughs> yeah, it was the lateral. Uh, yeah, it's funny because I was looking at the stats, and I was like, I could have sworn he had two touchdowns. Well, and the the thing that really threw me was when I looked at Wentz's numbers. I was like, that math doesn't add up. <laughs> 
Right, right, right. Because he has three, three touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but seriously, though, I mean, I, I, you, you look at Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, uh, versus Alshon, Deshaun, and Aguilar. Yeah, or uh, I, mean, I think for us it would be Ertz. Yeah. Right, I think it would. It's more Ertz. And the other thing that's interesting about that is, um, it, we, you, I think you also can throw in JJ Arcega Whiteside too. Like I think that you're we're going to see that he's going to be a very useful player uh, in a few weeks. Yep. He had a sweet holding penalty. Yeah, that's about all he did today. But they're <laughs> so going to find that ways was, to work. That was I took about Whiteside's performance. Yeah, they're gonna, they're going to find ways to work that guy into the offense. Um, but. The other thing that the Eagles, I think, puts them slightly ahead of what's going on in New England, other than the fact that, like, that's got to be, like, so many egos to deal with, um, is those – the Eagles have a lot – can do a lot more to the defense. Like, they have a guy that takes the top off. They've got – the, you know, they've got height. Um, you, you can't leave the middle soft. Um, they seem like they've got all of the levels, you know, when you talk about the, the, the receiver tree, the, the route tree, they've got all of that covered, uh, and they can hurt you in so many different ways in so many different places. Uh, so you're going to see, uh, secondaries get just chewed up. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we saw, I mean, we saw a little Ertz today, but I don't think we saw a lot, you know, in the tight end game through the middle and, that was our bread and butter the past two seasons. I think part of that was because the Redskins decided, because their strength kind of lies with their linebackers and, and front four, that they were going to take that away and make us beat them on the outside. Yeah. So we did. Yeah, and that's that's what I was thinking. I was just hoping for, you know, how like sometimes you, you use the running game just to prove that you have that, that club in your bag, you know, and... I was thinking we just wanted to show that we can use the deep ball to keep them honest with our, you know, short game, our 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 tight end game. But today it was like, no, we can win. We can go deep all day. You know, this can be, you know, some greatest show on turf bullshit or whatever that real stretch of the field kind of game until people stop it. And then then we'll just chew up through the middle all day. Yeah, if you're going to play the Eagles, I mean, especially for the first game of the season without seeing any of these guys in a preseason mode whatsoever, I mean, I guess for you know, as much of it is as much as it is a detriment to the Eagles not having played in the preseason, you do get some defense, you know, from a defensive standpoint, like what do the Eagles want to do? Yeah. How do these guys work with each other? And, you know, for the first game of the season, you're going in as a Redskin saying like, all right, who do, who do we take away from Carson? Obviously, you'd want to take Ertz away, yeah, uh, without knowing anything else. Uh, and it just seems that Carson was totally fine connecting with Deshaun Jackson, um, and maybe the uh, rumors about his ability to connect with Alshon Jeffrey have been much exaggerated. Because I, that that seemed to be working today, also. I think that oh God, yeah. part of the the Russ factor isn't so much like when you get out there, you know, you've got like that whole like tin man like oh my joints are stiff kind of rust it was more <laughs> that when oh, you're at <laughs> I, I was refraining from that why point. why hold back chuck <laughs> you're only here for the comedy chuck <laughs> comedy and hockey that's why you're here know your place um Go uh, on, if you only had a brain chuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i uh 
Right, oil can. Uh, I think it's more <laughs> the uh, the being able to see things at game speed, and I think that you have a tendency to fall back on what's comfortable. So I think early in the game, and I think the same thing for Doug Peterson. I think maybe the way he scripted the early part of the game is he's used to calling a particular type of game, uh, and even if he had probably had some looks in there that that, that had some 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 plays where Deshaun was going straight down the field or whatever. I, I think that he was probably trying to call the game that has been successful for him. And then as the game progressed, he started to see how the Redskins were lined up and how, where they were soft. And I think the same thing happened with Wentz where he probably defaulted to look, you know, look in the places that he's comfortable, look for Aguilar, look for Ertz. But then all of a sudden, as things tightened up, he started to see, Oh, you know, this is a kind of a new look. This is a different way to approach this at game speed. The one thing I also noticed is he he really tried to extend plays with his legs, but not just take off and run for 25 or 30 yards. He was trying to extend plays with his legs, but also to get people in a position that he could still complete the passes downfield. There was one play in particular where he he was kind of uh, it was a kind of a busted play. He gets outside of the tackle boxes, and you actually saw him you know direct traffic. I think this is the play that ended up going to Ertz. He directed traffic and kind of broke Ertz off of his uh, off of his route and 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 fed him uh, a pass for a for a. Uh, for a first down. And and that's the kinds of things that you want to see in this kind of uh, his next phase of development. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the second Deshaun Jackson touchdown, it, I don't know if he, I don't know if Wentz audible or not, but I think we got the, the kill, 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 kill. I think and we they, did. Yeah. He did something yeah. to change the play. The a equivalent bit. of the Peyton Manning Omaha. Yeah. I believe that there was a little bit of, I think that that definitely, I don't know if it was that they, they changed the, the protection there or what, uh, or if that was a, a you know he saw the the safety you know shaded too far to one side and knew that he was going to have Deshaun. But um, if he can, Deshaun doesn't. You don't need a lot of time. And and Wentz is a guy that's going to be able to get himself time with his legs. That's the other reason why I think Deshaun had so much success here the first time is he was playing with another quarterback at that time that was able to extend plays with his legs and let Deshaun get way downfield. I don't know if he's played with a quarterback that had that ability since he's been here. Um. So uh, let me ask this. Are are we good with first half booing? The first half of the first game of the season, we're thro- we're raining down boos in the first half. Uh, I didn't I didn't hate it. I probably myself would not have booed. It didn't seem it didn't feel like we were ill prepared. It didn't feel like we were making stupid decisions. It just felt like it wasn't quite clicking, you know, which should have been expected. So this was not, I think the first home game of last year, we booed them at halftime and that was, I think deserved, you know, I think the, it was just a little more embarrassing last time around where today it could have been my own mindset but i didn't feel i didn't feel like we were blowing it i didn't feel like the eagles are doing anything wrong i just felt it wasn't quite clicking yet well let me ask this if the phillies had a five game lead on atlanta would the would the eagles have gotten booze in the first half (laughs) kind of like an if then kind of scenario here 
because it's almost like we oh i can't wait to get away from these phillies uh give me eagles because i'm ready to just be dominant and then you're greeted with this you know the first 20 minutes of the game i don't know he, here's my take and i, I this i i, I want to kind of credit having read something from malcolm jenkins to kind of put my mind in this way he basically said we deserve to be booed and i I would expect no, expect nothing less. He said that today. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And and so my my thought was to a certain degree, this was not a boo like, in the same way that like when the it's it was just a different kind of thing. It's not the same way you boo a player on another team that you hate. It's not the same way we would boo Michael Irvin. Um, this was it was more, a boo like come on you're better than this. Exactly. Yeah. It was. It was letting them know that, like, we have expectations of you and you are not meeting them. Um, I, we're behind you. Boo! We got your back. Boo! Uh, yeah. And I, I totally support you. Boo! It, but don't you think it would be strange if the Eagles are down 17 nothing and we give them a standing ovation? Like, don't you think that would be the most non or like a loud Eagles chant? Because that's more likely what would happen. Um, I you know, don't think the option, if your team is doing poorly, is to boo or give a standing ovation. <laughs> no, there's there's but, what I do during Flyers games, which is pretty much nothing most of the time. <laughs> but could you imagine being at the link and, like, they, they go down 17 nothing? Would you want to have just sat there quietly? Like, does that seem like Eagles fans at all? Does that seem like us at all? Uh, We're I, entitled, I, so. Ugh. But but it's it's what you do at the – at a breakage, you mentioned Flyers games. You know, at the bat, at the end of a lackluster period, there's gonna be some booing, and I think it's like it's like your report card. It's how do we do that period? You know, thunderous applause, tepid applause, tepid booing, raucous booing. Uh, but but some some level there, I think. I, I just think the 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 volume of the booing was a bit much, but I think a little tepid booing would have been appropriate. Okay. Okay. Uh, what else? Uh, up 27, 20 going for, an, uh, the two point conversion. What did you think about that? I, I was kind of like, why are we going for a two point conversion here? Um, when it happened, I guess I understand why. I mean, it makes it a two score game, but right. But it was, a. It, 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 you are, if you kick the point after you lock in a touchdown plus a two point conversion, yeah, you're at eight. If you miss it, you're, you're just still at a touchdown seven. with a point after. Right. So it lets you take the easy way to force them to the hard way. I think that the idea is you want to, if, if you have the opportunity to add possessions to the opposition, that is favorable. I also think the game conditions were kind of dictating that, Chuck. Uh, Chuck, I almost gave you credit for these decisions, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> Doug, Doug's decision made. I think if the Eagles were were not playing as uh, – like if their rhythm wasn't as good as it was at the time, Doug might have sure. not uh, might not have been like, eh, you know what, like, I'm just going to take my point and get, and get out of here. But he's at home. He likes to gamble in these sorts of situations. He feels like his offense is in a good rhythm, so he probably had a play that he felt like really comfortable with 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 moving on there. So 
to a certain degree, that is kind of the, uh, the way I expect Doug to call a game. Uh, and, you know, you're going to get burned sometimes with that, but I would rather him stay aggressive in that way because I really feel like that absolutely gutted the skins when they couldn't stop that point after. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said there, Gene. And I think it was, you know, low risk, high reward. You miss it. Okay. Now you're still up by seven. It's it's going to take a, a lot of balls to, you know, go for a win with a two point conversion. You know, sure. when when the point after is just pretty much guaranteed. So you go and you push it to a nine point lead. You know, the eight point lead is just all right. You force them to, to, to get a two point conversion, which isn't the hardest thing in the world. And like Gene said, with that momentum, that was, you know, phenomenal. It was a bit of a, a step on your throat moment. You know, if not just, you know, our offense is clicking, you know, we own them. Their defense is exhausted. You know, we just kicked the crap out of them for a quarter and might as well go for the two. You know, just I was all in favor of it. Uh, I heard in the broadcast they seemed surprised. For me, it was my first thought. Hmm. It's interesting because I would have just kicked the one. Um, all right. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the end of the game here because this kind of plays into our Picadelphia picks a little bit. Uh, <laughs> do the Eagles have an obligation now that we are a gambling state to stop that touchdown, that garbage time touchdown at the end of the game for those people that are betting on the birds? So at uh, and before this game started, the Eagles were ten and a half point favorites. Oh yeah, and and very honestly, I don't know how. I have a personal rule. I try very rarely to bet on the Eagles. I have no. There's nothing in it for me because I want the Eagles to win, and I want the Eagles to win by as many points as well, possible. See, there's no team in the NFL that you know more about than the Eagles. So yes. why would you not bet on Eagles games? Because when they lose, like it's already going to hurt. And I don't want to, and I don't want to like, I don't want to be sad at this. Like if I had bet this Eagles game, now I'm upset at an Eagles win after they've come back from being down 17, nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be, I I I don't want to be sad about that. I want to be excited, which I am. So. Okay. So, but but do the Eagles have an obligation? Do, Do you think they're aware of the spread? Do you know anything like that? I think that they certainly are aware of the spread. I don't think for the most part, they give a shit. Yeah, and and we may be a legal sports gambling state now, but we were always a sports gambling state. Yeah, I mean, okay. a lot of people had money on the games anyway. I don't know and... what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I think we're going to get to a point where you're going to see when you walk into a stadium, they're going to have the betting lines right up on the scoreboard. Like, it's going to be that, basically, oh, that wow. transparent. You think that'll, that'll ever happen? Yeah. Uh, I'm. I really believe, and I had a conversation with somebody about this this weekend. Like, there is going to be a point where you're going to be able to walk into uh, sports stadiums, and at the gate, you're like you'll you'll before you go to your seat, you can put a bet in on the game you're about to watch. You're going to be able to do it at the Wells Fargo Center this year. Yeah, and I think that that's that's we you know we've gone big, like well, I over mean, the you threshold. You could do it on your phone, Gene. I mean, like you don't have to go to the gate. You can just no, I, but seat. I mean, like I feel like the it's 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 more of a a change in the culture, you know what I mean? Where the NFL and, and certainly baseball have been forever. Like we gambling is not involved in this game. 
Chuck, but, did you say there's going to be a betting window at the Wells Fargo Center this year? Uh, there's going to be a lounge. Yes. Oh. Yeah, there's going to be... It's Sugar House, Sugar House but, Sugar, yeah. Yeah, but Sugar House is getting rebranded later this year, so I don't know if it's going to be Sugar House there, but there is going to be a you know gambling lounge in the Wells Fargo Center. Because I don't think that... I, I really believe that the, the leagues, the NFL, the Major League Baseball, the NCAA... Um, the, they want you to believe that these games are, you know, completely just the pureness of the game. But we, we all know the reality is that, you know, a very high percentage of the people that are sitting in that stadium and watching at home have something riding on the game. That that's part of the thrill of the sport now, whether it's your fantasy team or your 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 you're betting on your phone or you're at the racetrack. Like that has become as, as intricate a part of Sunday as anything else. That's why if you watch the pregame shows now, it is just fantasy lines and fantasy lines and, and, and the betting lines. And even us, we, we do our Picadelphia. We use the lines for it. And I, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing, but I, I also would really hope this is my, I'm hoping that, you know, actually on the field when the game is on the line, all those guys care about is winning the game. They aren't caring about whether or not they're covering the spread. Like that's, that's just how I I'm hoping is that that's still the reality. Maybe that's naive, but that's how I, I hope is it's still going on. I don't want guys coming off the field tweeting. Yay. We covered, you know what I mean? Like I still want (laughs) them to come out of off the field and tweet. Yay. We won. I don't want them to go in at, at, at halftime and be like, look, assholes, we need to get this going. We're a ten and a half point favorite. You know what I mean? Like, I, I still want like the pureness of motivation in the locker room. And I think you'll get it. I mean, look at how many, you know, wins we've found unsatisfactory. Like, you know, watching a post-game live and they're talking about, you know, the players are saying what a great win and we're going, what the hell are you talking about? You barely won that thing. You should have lost, you know, they just want to win. They want to win. And I I think that's the same with, you know, the defense that was called. It was the prevent defense, but it was also, we're going to give you the middle of the field. We'll let you score a touchdown. We just want you to take as long as humanly possible. They were basically playing more. We're going to, we're going to make sure Six, seven points doesn't matter. But what yeah. matters is that that clock keeps running and running and running and running so that you don't have enough time to get the two scores you need. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's nothing, you know, I, if you had the Eagles in this game, which it seems like most gamblers did since the way that line moved, and you're giving up a Bobby Abreu home run in the fourth quarter, uh, it's got to be pretty frustrating. That's all. <laughs> I enjoy the Bobby Abreu home run. <laughs> I think it'd be a deep cut anywhere other than this podcast, but yeah. yeah. Uh, well, hey, how did our uh, how did our injury prone quarterback do today? Um. Well, what did he break? Was his clavicle? No, 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 did, no, no. That's no, what no. Wentz went down with. Our, our, no, our, no, no. Wentz our, didn't go down. Our injury prone quarterback was able to stay up the entire game today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause everyone who wanted foals was concerned about Wentz's, you know, fragility. Yeah. We have, we have fragile quarterback. So 
There you go, Nick Foles. Uh, he, he broke his collarbone, and um, what do you think? That's like four weeks at least, six weeks. I think at it's going to be closer to six. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and and, that's and it's going to be six weeks where he can't do anything. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you hate to see it, but it, it just you know we made the right decision, right? Yeah. Not that he would have broken his clavicle if he was playing in this game. It's just, you know, I don't know. Foles a tough guy. He stands in there, takes shots. He's never played a 16-game season either. And that streak will continue. Even if it was Wentz was the one that went down, if it was the same kind of injury, he has no history with, you know, that, you know, collarbone, upper body kind of injury there. Um, you know, e- even if that were the case, we still would have made the right decision. You pick the talented guy. If you went down with a, a knee problem or what was it last year, a back problem, uh, like a spinal problem, right? And if he went down with that injury, okay, that's a different matter. But it's football. People are going to get injured. Well, the other thing is teams aren't built to have a quarter, a starting quarterback one and one A. Yeah. For a couple different reasons. For one thing, you wouldn't be able to have anybody else on the team because of the cap situation. Like, you just can't team build that way and, and be competitive. The other thing is, you're not going to find a lot of teams that – or a lot of players that are willing to be that 1A guy. Uh, because most guys that have been able to get all the way to the NFL are truly competitive players and want to be the guy. Or else, if you don't, ha- and if they don't have that mindset, that killer instinct, they probably weren't able to get all the way to the NFL. There's only 32 jobs, you know. It's 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 that I think is part of the makeup of what makes a good starting quarterback is that they also really truly believe completely in themselves and want to be the man. You can't have you you wouldn't want Carson Wentz to be like, man, you know, I really wish I had Nick Foles backing me up because. You know, if I get hurt, I want, you know, it's just, you don't want that kind of like, you want him to be like, no, I don't care if you've got nobody backing me up. I want to be the guy. So I just feel like that's, that's the way that the NFL is. You need to settle on a guy. The Eagles spent a lot of draft capital and trade capital to move up to get him. This was always going to be the situation. And Nick Foles will, will continue to go on in legend. And now that he's going to be not playing in Jacksonville, the curse that is him not being in Philadelphia will also continue. <laughs> so, uh, so, all right. So I, uh, I correctly picked the, the Redskins and the Eagles game. Uh, I correctly picked the chiefs uh, to steamroll the Jags. Um, so, you know, that's two there for me. So let's talk about Antonio Brown for a minute. This is uh this guy a little crazy. It, it did. It did. Um, are we going to revisit Gene Nye's picks, or were you just like bragging? Well, we're leading into there because you picked this uh, Patriots game, right? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Yes, I did. I did. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> I got you. I got your back. It just, it just didn't make sense to me because he wasn't playing, but yes. Sorry. That's, I'm with you. I'm I with just, you. I mean, I just hate the Patriots. Like, <laughs> did you? So did you guys watch the beginning of the Sunday Night Football? Yeah. I did I mean, not. I, I did not. Beginning. No, Gene, you did? Yeah. We had to see this ridiculous banner unveiling yeah, celebration. The the best thing about the the banner unveiling was looking at like the gap from sixteen <laughs> to eighteen. 
It's like that scene in uh in the Mighty Ducks where they look at all the banners and there's the one second place yeah. one. He's like, oh, I wish they take that one down, don't yeah. you? <laughs> <clears throat> with like ridiculous, like crazy train playing. What is their affinity with that song? They're so weird. Like <laughs> And they bring out all the trophies. They're all doing like weird, like white guy dances. <laughs> right now, you're just describing Boston, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> like they start with like jump around, and then it switched over to crazy. You're right. It's it's bizarre. That, that is a strange city. <laughs> and, did, and let me guess, they close with the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's drinking Dunkin' Donuts for some reason. <laughs> Who knows what's actually in those styrofoam cups? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, amazingly frustrating. But Chuck, you did pick the Patriots in this one, which I criticized you for. Uh, you did, you did. You criticized both my non-Eagles picks, um, and both of them came through. Uh, the as we're recording, the Patriots game is still going on, but unless the uh, Steelers pull a miracle comeback, um, they're going to cover that six points. Um. Uh, Patriots are blowing the doors off them, and the Bills won outright over the Jets. Yeah. So yeah, nice, well done. And I was the one who was pissed that the Eagles did not cover. <laughs> I was watching. I'm like, damn you! Just, just it's like they played it perfectly. You know, they left like almost right zero seconds on the clock it's but, great you know, once you already have the game secure and then you can start worrying about these like secondary concerns like my pick yeah. eh, my pick <laughs> well it's like it's like fantasy football like you know i don't play currently but when i did with eagles games it was always the, the game the game the game the game and you know if if it's the fourth quarter like halfway through and we're definitely winning or we're definitely losing i start going uh all right who on washington did i have on my team all right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah sure 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 um just go just bouncing around the league a little bit another uh cool story was uh kyler murray first first quarterback ever to get a tie in his first start oh I didn't see I that. Think one. I heard that this with a 17 point comeback in the fourth quarter against the Lions. Is this going to be the new NFL, like where we're going to have like a half dozen ties in the league every year? Like, is this part of the new overtime thing that now, like, because it's not first, you know, it's not sudden death that like we're just going to have to deal with, you know, certain teams are just you're just going to have teams that may have, uh, you know, one or two ties every year. I mean, it makes it interesting yeah. come the end of the season because you know I think that tie cost the Steelers. A playoff spot last year, if you remember correctly, they tied the Browns yeah. last year. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, it does matter. It is important to try and finish a, a team off. But well, I mean, it, it, in the interest of giving each team an equal opportunity to win the game in overtime, uh, I guess so. I guess that would increase the likelihood ties. Yeah. But I think it's a necessary evil. You know, as opposed to marching down the field and kicking the field goal. So right, which is annoying too. They're, right. You know, I I don't know if I was I've always leaned towards I like the way that college does overtime. Um, that kind of like the other thing is could you could you get the players association to say no ties, we just keep doing this until it's until somebody decided. wins, yeah. I mean, how, you know, I don't know what, is that like the, in that's college, how it works. I don't know what the that's record how it, is for how long this thing could go. 
Oh, I've seen it go seven or eight. You know, but uh, yeah, but I mean, round? like how many actually, like how many plays is that equate to? You know what I mean? Right. And, right. I don't know. But uh, in the play in the playoffs, like that, that's how that the the overtime rule works. Is you just you just start another period if you're still tied at the end of the overtime, right? You just start another fifteen minute period, right? Yeah. There's no yeah. ties in the playoffs. Um. Yeah. So I had the Cardinals in that game. So I went three and zero, and Chuck, you went two and one. I did. And Gene, let's see, you you had the uh, San Diego, San Diego, which I believe. No, that's not a team. Los Angeles, Los Angeles. <laughs> I tricked you. I said San Diego too, and I was talking to Chuck before we started. Uh, I I don't know if I'm ever going to accept that they're not the San Diego Chargers. Um, they will be again in yeah. like three years. Yeah, or whatever they're going to be. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it was. I think I had them at minus two, and I think they ended up winning with a field goal right so we were almost a trade partner with this week yeah which was really interesting would you have liked that trade no 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 and now that would have been so much money to tie up yeah in running backs and that's just not a howie thing and i wanted to see how melvin gordon right yeah i wanted to see how especially a guy who was willing to sit out and stuff like he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to gel well with with the culture that's here. I mean, it would have upgraded our running back. Situation. Yeah, but we we haven't seen enough of uh, of the of the rookie. Uh, what did what does he call himself? Boogie, boo, bo- uh, booty. What is he on Twitter? He's got this. He's got a funny. I think he calls himself booty or booby. I think he calls himself Miles Sanders is booby. Yeah, I think um, he calls himself booby on on uh, on Twitter. Um, but we haven't seen enough of him, and we didn't see enough of him really today. Uh, for me to be like, you know what? We got that guy on a rookie deal. We didn't see enough of Jordan Howard today. I felt like every time the running game was going, we did some ridiculous uh, pitch seven yards back and or lateral that just totally destroyed momentum from our running game. But there were some plays. Well, the, he's not going to be able to lean on Darren Sproles the whole season, and that's when you're going to see him. But what you will see, and I think that you're going to see Jordan Howard is going to equal um, – Legarrette Blunt, like he's gonna see you're gonna see him in that same mm-hmm. kind of role, and you kind of did see today when they were on that nine minute drive, which that really was the most impressive thing of all the things that were impressive yeah. in today's oh, yeah. game was was when they went into the fourth quarter and put together a nine minute drive, which basically, how can uh, an offense get any kind of rhythm when you basically sit for a quarter, and that's what the Eagles were doing to teams when they won the Super Bowl. They would come into a fourth quarter and they would basically eliminate their chances for possessions. Yeah, even going back to last year, there were wins where we were like, "Oh, eleven minute drive at the end of that game." When they, they really are when up. they are at their best, that is what happens: is they they stifle you in the third quarter, and then they just go on these marches that just take the heart. There, it's the antithesis of watching Andy Reid coach. Um, Andy <laughs> Reid would have like a thirty play script in the beginning of the game that would be super. Chi- effective. It's the antithesis of Chip Kelly. It's really, really the, antithesis, yeah. the absolute antithesis of Chip Kelly. But you would watch like those sorts of things. But Doug Peterson is is really he's the master at being able to put people away. That seems to be when he really, when the team is really cooking, when they are able to do that to people, they are better at it than almost anybody else in the business. Yeah, long drive, taking away possessions from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe he actually said that. Uh, and then who was, what was your third game, Gene? 
I, I honestly don't remember. And I, <laughs> I, I feel like it should have been the Detroit Lions because they were my. It wasn't. I know they, it wasn't. They were my. They were my Super That's Bowl hilarious. pick. But uh, I, I honestly, I, I, I thought I'd only pick two. I honestly have no idea who that other, that other well, game was. Fuck it. We'll give you a win. Uh, ever. <laughs> we all had winning records this week. Woo-hoo. Next um, week we'll do better because we'll write them down. <laughs> I wrote mine down. Yeah, I, I mean, we didn't have it recorded. I mean, I could go back and listen. You know, there's probably somebody, some super fan that's going to go on Twitter and be like, no, actually, Gene, you're one and three. All right, one and two. Last, all right, last Eagles thought or last NFL thought here. Uh, I love how our fans are willing to fight players in our city for their fandom of a opposition team. So Mike Scott goes to a tailgate wearing a Redskins jersey. Eagles fans want to fight him. I I think you're giving some of these fans who were clearly a little bit uh, inebriated uh, credit that they had any idea who it was that they were fighting. I, I I don't think they had any idea other than there was a tall guy in a Redskins jersey. I don't think they had any clue that was Mike Scott. <laughs> it's a, Okay, let's say they didn't. But A, he was invited to the tailgate and went. So somebody there knew it was him. B, you don't know who this dude is. And it's just a, like huge guy like yeah he's he's lanky for a professional athlete but in real life even the lanky players are freaking jacked like <laughs> like it's gonna be like oh oh this guy is a you know a redskins fan i'm gonna go punch him in the face like it's just like <laughs> trying to pick a fight with a giant if you have well, to get a running start that? and leap off of furniture to get to the guy's face you probably shouldn't punch him well if if what the reports that we were getting are true which are you know our buddy said that they were down there at what 7 30 this morning and the, yeah. the and the lots were full by 8 30 this morning correct for a one o'clock so game who the hell knows what everyone's <laughs> toxicity levels were at 12 30 uh but dear lord Philadelphia loves the Eagles. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so dumb. Like, it's nice when the players here don't have uh, a strong allegiance to our rivals and, you know, can just adopt the local teams as their own. It's a fun thing about watching hockey. You know, Carter Hart was at the game today. Oh, was he? Yep. Yeah, he was on the sidelines. And... You know, they, they don't have their hometown teams. But with American players, they do. And I think it's really stupid to not assume that they're going to cheer on the teams they've cheered on their whole life. Right. Uh, who is Carter Hart's um, Canadian Football League team? I would imagine it's the Edmonton Eskimos. Mm, I was going to guess the Alouettes. No, wrong side of the country. Damn it. Wrong side. Okay. All right. Football. Woo. Woo. One and oh. Loving it. All right. God Real damn quick, it. We, we don't use like sound effects here outside of the penalty box whistle, <laughs> but football. Woo. <laughs> In stereo, I, I would enjoy that as just like the beginning of all of our football. Coverage. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll work on that. You need um, to work on it. <laughs> Gene, work on that. 
<laughs> oh, oh, one last football thing. I do enjoy that the Browns just got trashed today. So yeah. everyone shut the hell up about the Browns. Three picks for Baker Mayfield today. And honestly, he never looked like remotely comfortable. I, I watched a good bit of that game because I was really curious. I honestly kind of had, had drank the Kool-Aid a little bit and thought that you might see him, you know, chuck it around a bit and kind of put some uh, put some points up. And honest to God, he, he never ever look like he ever got his feet settled underneath him. I feel like he, that dude's going to be running for his life. They they neglected to, to put a solid offensive line in front of him, at least from the way it looked today. Yeah. But All right. Well, we, you know we, what? I wonder who they I play next. And I have one who other thing. play next week? The Browns. What's your other thing, Gene? The other thing that I want to talk about is, is it possible that the Miami Dolphins are the worst NFL team that has ever been fielded? Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, we've had zero and sixteen yes. teams go, but my God, like nobody would have said that the Baltimore Ravens were a uh, an offensive juggernaut, and we saw them in the preseason. They practiced with us, you know. My God, though, they almost put up. It, it felt like they were going to they they and if had they not sat Lamar Jackson, they might have put up seventy five points on them today, and and not broken us you know much of a sweat doing it. They put RG three in really early in the fourth quarter. I think he had like three or four drives of RG3 in that game. And Lamar Jackson still had five touchdowns in like 500 yards total, like of total offense. It was That was an insane offensive explosion. And you're going to see that Dolphins team against the Patriots next week. Oh, wow. So that line, could it be two touchdowns more? I mean, are we talking like an 18-point spread? When the Dolphins win, it's going to knock a lot of people out of their suicide pools. <laughs> because there's there's a, there's some teams that you're just going to follow around. Like I'll follow the Giants around. I know I had I had the Cowboys today in my in my suicide league. Um, but I mean, you can follow the Dolphins around for sure. That team sucks. Yeah, bet against them every week. You know and. When they finally win, that 74 Dolphins team or whatever year it was will pop open the champagne. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, when they finally win. Uh, so the Eagles next week are Sunday night. Woo. Do we get to have a raw nerve episode, which are always fun. Uh, yeah. What else? Oh, a couple games to circle on the counter because – Eagles Patriots this year is going to be wild, and that's it. we have them at home, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. God. November, I think it's November seventeenth. Thank God, and, that is going to be I, insane. Yeah, and watching the Cowboys game today, I just cannot wait to play them. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun twice this year. So, all right, we put it off long enough. Let's talk about the Phillies. No woos. No woos. They don't deserve woos. They're what two it? games out now. They're closing the gap. How yeah. far back were they at the worst? Were they as far as five? I don't know. I know they're definitely, it's definitely four, four back. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely four earlier this week. The only pro- so they got closer to the Cubs. The only problem is is they let a couple of other teams into this thing. Yeah. So it, it, now it's... we're two games back along with the Brewers. You got the Diamondbacks that are a game and a half, uh, and then the Cubs. The Cubs yeah, this have, is still really unlikely that this is going to happen. The Cubs have got some issues. And if it was really just between us and the Cubs, I, I I might feel weirdly okay with this whole situation. The Cubs have a really hard schedule. They have a lot of really good teams coming up. 
um, as we welcome Atlanta in tomorrow. Night. Right, right. Uh, but when you've got the Brewers and the Diamondbacks, and uh, it's just there's too many, there's too much going on that it's all gotta, it's all gonna break. But my God, like, don't you wish you had a couple of Marlins games in your pocket right now? Like, if if we were like nine games, ten games over, if we even the just... game that we lost, we were winning seven nothing. If we had yeah. that game, I was going to say, you know, a, a moment ago. Like, uh, you know, the, the frustrating thing is we started the week two games out. All this craziness happens and we ends up end up two games out. But that's been the story of every friggin week. Yeah. Like, yeah. How can you say, you know, oh, it's only two games. It's only two games. It's been only two games forever. And now we're just down to what? Three weeks to make yeah, but up if we two get games. this bitch down to one game. We can, we can, it would we be can interesting. miss the playoffs. And that, and, and that could be this week. Like, it, it could, like very realistically, it, it could it be this could, week. but we're playing the Braves. Um, taking the Phillies out of this equation, I do kind of enjoy having the Brewers in this mix because it mm-hmm. does make for an interesting pennant situation, pennant race within the Central. Yeah, because now you have the Cardinals – the Cubs and the Brewers all kind of and someone's going to be left out. Somebody's going to be the odd man out, and they're all what two games? If not two of them. Yeah, yeah. Out. It's it's not cool. that I am optimistic about the Phillies because I'm not. <laughs> Just want to set the record straight. Do you think that we've effectively finished off the Mets though? Do you think that winning this series has pushed well, them? They're four out. They're four out, and they have three teams ahead of them. So, th- but I mean, at one point in this, like when they beat us on Friday night, I guess. We were equal. They were they were as far back as we were, and and by winning two games, we've I feel like we've managed to kind of finally maybe elbow them back, and and we'll be able to make you know keep them off of the the pedestal. Well, you know what I mean. You know what what helped us turn the corner, right? No. It's that old it's that old Bill Simmons adage: uh, "No one believes in us." Oh, true. Yes. So this really set me off um guy smiley (laughs) (laughs) no this is a tweet from Corey seidman it says uh uh kapler and smiley both said the phillies are playing with a chip on their shoulder aware that they're being counted out there are like 10 to 15 teams every year in every sport that play the quote nobody believes in us card but it is definitely true with this team not just random babble yeah, look, let me tell you about Nobody Believes in Us. Nobody Believes in Us is, uh, I, don't know, I don't know how to describe this. It's like in the Phillies, everybody believed in you. Like everybody believed in you in April. Everybody believed in you in May. You yourself made us not believe in you. Don't blame us. That nobody believes in you. You are the reason no one believes in you. You know why? Because you didn't win games. That's not nobody believes in us. It's just nobody believes in us comes from like winning games, but still like people point out flaws in your roster and like, yeah, you made the playoffs, but I'm really not going to give you a chance. That's nobody believes in us. Nobody believes in us is, you know, after you beat, uh, you know, get into the playoffs, you're still not favored in home playoff games. That's nobody believes in us. Yeah. Uh, no one believes in us is you revamp your entire roster. You bring in proven players. You have a young player on your, 
young players on your team and go like, okay, we should be better. And they're still picking you to finish dead last. There are plenty of ways to attack. No one believes in us. Right. If the Flyers want to walk into this season and say, nobody believes in us. No, we got a young goaltender. No one believes in us. Yeah. Claude Giroux. No one sees him. No one in the NHL sees him as a true captain. No one believes in us. Like he's not a superstar. And they want to say nobody believes in us and wants to rally around that. That's fine because I don't believe in the Flyers. (laughs) (laughs) But if the Sixers come out this year and suck and then get mad and say no one believes in us, that doesn't count. That doesn't work. Everybody believes in the Sixers. You know what the perfect analogy is? Is like those great, you know, inspirational films like, like a lean on me. Or like, you know, something like that where it's like kid from the wrong side of the tracks, you know, mom's never home because he's working two jobs. Dad left the scene a long time ago and nobody believes in this kid because he works his ass off. But they just go, nah, not with where you come from. And he rises up to show him. The Phillies are that same movie, but hits the classmate of that guy who no one believes in because he's stolen three cars this month and he said right, that he's going to change kid that had every advantage <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> selling meth <laughs> it's like nobody believes me like yeah <laughs> why, why would they <laughs> look whatever if you guys want to sit in your clubhouse and and think that no one believes in you and now you're going to buckle down and actually make a charge into this thing great i'll i'd love to see it but the nobody believes in us thing does not apply to you what you're doing is something different it's fine if it works for you it's not nobody believes in us that's all i have to say and why the hell didn't they have a chip on their shoulder in july we've got a chip on our shoulder now well great why didn't you have a chip on your shoulder months ago? Why don't the Phillies yeah. believe in the Phillies? Like that was the thing. Yeah. Like they, if you know who doesn't believe in the Phillies, the, the people there in the in the building, it feels like you know the guys in the dugout feel like they didn't believe in the Phillies. Well, Clintac doesn't believe in them because he's talking about next season already. Yeah. What did he say? <laughs> this is the previous show. Listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but see, maybe that's the whole root of it. It was just Kapler and Smiley going, nobody believes in us. Not Bryce, not Reese, <laughs> not Romuto. Yo, <laughs> Kutch doesn't even tweet anymore. We don't know what he's doing. Nobody he's making like us. scary Halloween masks, I think. <laughs> also, um, when I type... Uh, JT Romuto, my uh, iPhone now automatically auto corrects it to include a um, emoji with heart eyes next to it. Nice. So I, don't... <laughs> I have a feeling that may grow, um, you know, over over the next couple of years. But That's the, maybe the most interesting development of this of this season would have been. I think we all thought that JT Romuto was going to be a popular player, but he has. In a team that you would have put maybe three or four or maybe five other players ahead of him as being the guy that would become the, you know, the the one that was going to work its way into our heart. He is the reason in a lot of cases that I still watch the Phillies games because he still 
does things that I, I feel like I've never seen before. I've never seen a guy who can just take over an inning defensively. I've never seen him give such fits to managers who like to run. Uh, you know, I've never heard statistics about like how many runners he throws out the way he does. He and he, he just he just is so such a so much better at his position than I feel like anybody else, at least defensively, than anybody else in baseball right now. Yeah, uh, I would love to see him like become this era's Darren Dalton, like from like a leadership standpoint. All right, well. JT Romuto is working his way into our hearts, and we're working our way into Chuck's penalty box. Thank you, Dave. And Gene, we'll start with you. Gene, who is in your penalty box? I'm calling a late audible because originally I was going to put like a former kill, 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 kill. <laughs> put in former radio host Josh Josh Ennis into the into the thing just for for making a stupid comment on Twitter. Um, but it, it's not worth it. Here's what I'm putting in the penalty box. Because this really irritated me earlier in the was. week. He said, like, you, uh, Mike Scott, you're dumb for wearing a Redskins jersey around Eagles fans, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lame. So, find another take. Um, but what I'm really putting in, EA Sports put out NHL 20, right? Okay, And in the, in the game, they have a mode where you can play as an alumni team. And if you go on Twitch, you can find cool. these uh, NHL... Uh, 20 uh guys that play the they'll actually play all the alumni they'll put them in a league and play the franchise mode so they'll, they'll play the whole season out with all the alumni teams so it's all the great greatest players so that's great right so you know i would want to be the flyers and you know you've got the the broad street bullies line you've got uh you know you got the the you got bernie Perron and net and, and ron hextall you know what you're lacking in the alumni game in the alumni uh team for the flyers chuck any guesses what's lacking uh, I'm going to guess some 90s era flyers. Specifically, what very famous line from the 90s era? Legion of Doom. Legion wow. Of Doom's not there. There is no John LeClaire. There is no Eric Lindros. And there is no uh, Mikhail Renberg. They're not on the alumni team. But you know who is on the team? Jeremy Roenick? What? Wow. So that... I if I'm buying NHL 20 and I want to play as the Flyers alumni team, you had better bet that like line two is gonna be the fucking Legion of Doom, and it they're not even an option in the game. So for that reason, EA Sports, you suck. You put together an alumni team without Legion of Doom. I hate you. Wow, wow, and I I you know I, I second uh, Gene's penalty. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah me too we got to petition ea for this that's insane they're get, the enough, step- get a patch out yeah they're the it's the you know lcb line and then the legion of doom maybe not even in that order so ea sports for not knowing your fan base and including jeremy ronick for some reason you're getting a five minute major and we're gonna go um Classic old school check to the head from behind. You're getting the Stevens. All right, Dave, who is in your penalty box? All right, I'm putting the uh the NBA in the penalty box. Okay. Um we care about fashion here on Potadelphia. And uh one of the trends that I have enjoyed last season uh, was brought to prominence by our own Philadelphia 76ers. 
Jimmy Butler and uh, and is continued with uh, Mike Scott. And that is the ninja style headband, which is now banned in the NBA because, quote, it looks too unprofessional. What? I mean, like, come on, let these guys do a little self-expression. I I didn't see any like kung fu moves um out of this. We got the we had the great ninja stance from from Jimmy Jimmy Butler this season. I liked the ninja headband, so you know, um, you know, let them let them bring it back. That's all. All right, NBA, the league that formerly celebrated players with cornrows and do-rags and tattoos and expressing themselves and showing off the athletes. Apparently, headbands just aren't professional. NBA, you're getting a classic penalty box penalty. Two minutes for hypocrisy and not knowing your audience. I mean, your uniforms don't have sleeves. You talk about being unprofessional. <laughs> Chuck, who is in your penalty box? I I I feel embarrassed. You guys like killed it tonight, but I'm I'm going with one that probably should have been a, a, a penalty before in the penalty box. And Dave, you actually sort of alluded to it um earlier in the show. I am putting Claude Giroux haters in the penalty box. So recently it's gonna get uh, crowded in there. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So recently, uh, NHL and NBC did like a all-time lineup, and their lineup for the Flyers um, played a little fast and loose with the positions. Um, they have Lindros at left wing, Clark at center, Giroux at uh, right wing, uh, Howe uh, on defense, along with Desjardins and Bernie Perrant. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And the amount of people who said that. Not only should Claude Giroux not be on that line, but the fact that it's ridiculous that he's there and would go off on a laundry list of players that deserve to be there ahead of him is ridiculous. Claude Giroux, I'm saying it now, is going to be a Hall of Fame player. He is going into the Hall of Fame. I threw out a few caveats in the past. I just, I, I fully believe they're going to happen. Claude Giroux will be in the NHL Hall of Fame. No one since 2010, 2011 has more power play uh, points than Claude Giroux. He has more power play points than Alexander Ovechkin. I believe he is third in the league in scoring on the total in that same time frame. I could be wrong about that. I couldn't find that number earlier. But he's definitely up there. He is an insanely good player. And is this like Bobby Abreu itis again, where it's like you are an elite level player on a team that does isn't having a lot of success. So by product of that, you're just not seen as an elite level player. I think so. Um I think it might be like the French Canadian thing, which I don't know, but they get a lot <laughs> of talk. Well, there's a lot of talk of you know him being like smaller, and it's just like, oh, he's not a leader. He doesn't do this. You know, they strip him of the captaincy. Like, I don't know what the hell you want from the guy. He leads by example. He leads by emotion. He leads the scoreboard. He is a dynamic player that we are lucky to have in this town. He is going to go down as one of the best in his generation in a great generation of players. So if you hate Claude Giroux, not just think he's overrated or or think other players are better, but if you hate him and think he's merely good, 
you're going in the penalty box. Make a lot of room because there's a lot of people out there like you. You're getting two-minute minor for not appreciating greatness. All right, and that's it for today. We'll be back with you on Monday morning, uh, bright and early after a late night watching Eagles Falcons. Um, so in the meantime, if you haven't uh, subscribed, reviewed, liked, whatever the show, uh, please do so on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, also, let's interact on social media. That's where we're going to drop our Picadelphia picks this week. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram is where you can check us out. Also, if you have more time in your podcast listening day, please, please, please check out the whip around uh, weird news. Uh, super funny. Strange guests, not that the guests are strange, but just like their professions and things like that are interesting and, and off the beaten path. So some uh, of them are strange. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here. <laughs>